Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I'm Nigel Griswold, CEO and co-founder of Dynamo Metrics and your host. Today, we have a special episode featuring myself and Dynamo's chief technology officer and co-founder, Ben Kalman. Ben and I have worked with local, state, and federal government as independent and academic researchers for nearly two decades. Our background in placemaking research began in the mid-2000s at Michigan State University's Land Policy Institute, where we studied the economic potential of implementing placemaking strategies across Michigan and designed programs and policies stemming from that work. In this episode, we'll be discussing the findings and implications from Dynamo's recently released study for the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, quantifying the placemaking effect. This study provides a first-of-its-kind evaluation of place-based investment impact and explores how the Michigan Economic Development Corporation created a 3% increase in occupancy rates and billions of dollars in residential and commercial property value increases from continued place-based investments in Michigan communities. And now my conversation with Ben. All right, welcome to Ahead of the Curve. Today we have my co-founder and work husband, Ben Kalnan on the podcast. How are you, Ben? I'm <laughs> doing great. Thanks, Nigel. So this is, today's an interesting podcast because I am actually kind of a, a member of this discussion. Dynamo is just releasing a very big report. It's called Quantifying the Placemaking Effect. It's a line of policy that Ben and I have been working on together and separately for most of our careers, actually. And so it's a really interesting opportunity for us to do some objective science on the policies that we've been participating in for most of our careers. And now we've actually got some objective evidence of of the effect of those policies. And so Ben and I are going to have a conversation. We're going to debrief on what that study is how it came to fruition, some of the background on placemaking policy in Michigan and how Ben and I have been engaged in it through our careers, but then really just dive into the study and the fact that we now know that place-based economic development investments do have an impact and and how we quantify that and, and why it's objectively real from a scientific standpoint. So to kick it off, Ben, maybe um, as my co-founder at Dynamo, you can just give a background on who you are, how you found yourself, where you are today as CTO at Dynamo, and some of some of your work background. Sure. So in short, I'd say my most direct entry into this space was years ago, I was studying at Michigan State University, working a lot on geographic information systems. So basically making digital maps and working a lot with data. And I was fortunate enough to get an interview at an aerial imagery laboratory but interviewed myself out of a job by telling them how they could automate the process uh, that they were uh, going to use to process data. And then they passed my resume on to the Land Policy Institute at Michigan State University, which where I was fortunate enough to get a job. And during my time there, I worked there for eight years. At first, you know, in the mid-2000s, I was hired there in 2006, there was a lot of discussion about urban sprawl and how there was a lot of development pressure and how it was changing the landscape in Michigan in particular. And then as the economic recession occurred and 
as we started seeing changes in the economy, but also that Michigan was one of the only states in the country that actually lost population. Uh, we started doing a lot of work there on place-based economic sort of policy. So my role there, I at first was making maps out of the data, then eventually I was preparing the data that was being used by multiple PhD researchers inside the Institute and outside of the Institute at Michigan State University and elsewhere. And then eventually it got to the point where I started to learn how to run economic models. And we always had a bent on making sure that the complex models and work that we were doing were communicatable through online dashboards, tools, maps, and ready to read reports. So that's some of the background on like how you got your chops in data, right? And how, right. how you got tuned into the Land Policy Institute, which is where we met back in 06. Mm -hmm. And during that time, there was like this momentum building for place-based economic development strategies from our mentor, from Dr. Soji Elijah. And there was a big push on that. It was Grand Homes Administration. There was the Cool Cities Initiative coming out. And it was like, okay, if we're losing population, how do we attract and retain population? How do we keep and, and acquire high value talent into our cities? And, and Soji's thesis was all about make them cool places to be, right? And that's how we can, that's how we can grow and convert into a new economy, which was focused on, you know, technology, entrepreneurship, all these pieces. And, and, and that was the big push that Ben and I, we met each other doing that type of work at the Land Policy Institute. I was a graduate student just finishing up, and I actually took a job at the Land Policy Institute as well. And that's when Ben and I got to know each other and start start working on these types of things. And so, so we had Granholm going out. We had Snyder coming in. Those initiatives were getting integrated into the state of Michigan's strategies and policies. And that's actually like the beginning of this study that we just did. The beginning time period on our study is 2008, goes through 2019. Place-based investments is the key piece of the study that we just finished for the MEDC, right? That's right. Any other summary things you want to throw in there? I would just say it was great to be able to be available for this work. I think at first there was some research and academics, at least anecdotally or correlatively, that, that showed that making a cool place can attract talent and can end up resulting in jobs and boost the economy. But what we've been able to build and the data that's now available in the public space, enough time had passed after all of these different place-based investments that had occurred in Michigan that we were able to use the systems that we build and the software that we provide and the statistics that uh, we're able to implement so that we could actually look at how the place-based investments were changing neighborhoods and changing commercial corridors. So Yeah, and that, and that gets into some of the key questions we're going to run through. So let's focus on quantifying the place effect that was just delivered by Dynamo Metrics to MEDC. Dynamo was chosen out of a competitive bid process to perform this research in an effort to quantify, meaning you know, statistical significance, actual effects of trying to make downtown corridors across the state of Michigan cooler places to be, more revitalized, more buzz, more excitement in the downtown. And so did that work? That's the big question. And so 
The first question is really why, from MEDC's standpoint, why was the report developed? Why did they want it? My understanding here is that they had certain metrics and measures for success. So they were able to, for the programs that we looked at, they were able to look at a few things that were impactful, like the number of jobs likely to be housed at the site that they were doing an investment on, or how much money they'd invest in the community. But they really didn't have a metric of, are these investments that we are doing in these communities, are they changing the community? Are they changing the neighborhood? Their intent was to attract jobs and to attract talent, to attract people to downtowns, which could result in increased values and increased occupancy, increased taxes for those local communities. But they didn't have a way to measure whether that had occurred or not. And so that's where we come in because of the data systems that we've been able to develop, that we can track what's happening on every property in a community, so that we can track how things are changing in neighborhoods, and then uh, use our statistical methods, we were able to help answer that question. So really, they were looking for new metrics. They were looking yeah. to find one, did it work? We, we invested a lot of money, right, based on this, this idea and those things that come out after the recession. And did things change? And is there something that we can learn from all the work here in our state about how to continue spending that money in the future and continue yeah. to be positively impactful in downtowns? So, right. How to strategically yeah. invest, right? And, the, yeah. and one of the key underlying pieces here that, that I'm going to pick up on your stuff is they were self-reporting, right? Like their current metrics were all basically the optics of a deal, like how much money went into the deal, How much money did MEDC invest? How much did the private sector invest? Which is a key important piece. If you can be a catalytic investment, that's a key piece of this, right? They want to be that catalytic money on these programs, such as the CRP program, community revitalization. We measured brownfield TIF investments. They put some non-entitlement CDBG money into the smaller towns and villages and all that. And then they had a a small-scale placemaking program that we measured the impact of. And it was all self-reporting and just optics of a deal, meaning it was the investment level that they were capturing um, and and where that money came from. And then it was self-reported job creation, which was, you know, coming from the investors themselves. And so those numbers can be aspirational. So there was no hard, concrete evidence. And I think this goes across the board on a lot of different public policies. Where's the concrete evidence on the actual did the needle move towards the objective, right? And that's that's what our stuff does. And so that's why we got <laughs> hired ultimately, right? I think that's the point. Exactly. Um, from a statistical standpoint and data system standpoint, it was pretty complex to set up, but it can be summarized relatively briefly. I imagine you can pull that off, Ben. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, I think one of the first steps in doing this sort of study, one, they knew in approaching us that we do have that heartbeat of the local economy because we do follow transactions and occupancy and those things that are happening on every property in a city based on our past work and based on the software that we provide. Um, But I'd I'd say that, you know, one of the first things that needed to occur was a, a review of the other research that had been done in this space, right? Had anybody answered this question or answered a question like it? 
do place-based investments, these changes that are being made by economic development corporations, uh, do they move the needle? And we couldn't uh, find anything. <laughs> we really couldn't find that's the sort of thing, right? Like you got to do a gut check and you got to go through this process as, as you first start the research. And that's the sort of thing. We, we couldn't find anything that, that had measured this sort of thing. That's a great point. And yeah. so let's talk about how we did it. How did we evaluate? How, what did that's we build? Right. So there were two things. There were two things that we wanted to test for. One was did a place-based investment in a location, did that change values nearby? And so we wanted to look at two things. We looked at whether a place-based investment would change residential sale prices nearby, and also whether it would change commercial sale prices nearby. The other thing we wanted to test was whether occupancy in residential buildings change nearby a place-based investment or whether commercial occupancy change near a place-based investment. So to do that, to answer that sort of question, you need to have the data. One, you've got to have the data on all the investments that were made. Mm -hmm. So we received from MEDC 542 different investments that they'd done across the entire state. And then we needed to look at these investments when they happened and see what the environment, that neighborhood nearby each investment was like before the investment was made. And then after the investment was made. Can I add something there? Yeah. So we had to build, we had to construct a data infrastructure that thought about the microzone around every one of those 542. And I'm sure you were going to say it right there. It's just, we also yeah. had to construct the rest of the data system that was like those areas so that we could test the areas that weren't near it. Right? 100%. Right. Yeah. That's totally right. So we we knew we weren't going to be able to go. We'd love to build a statewide system like this, but we, we knew we couldn't get that property level information across the entire state around all 542 investments within the given budget. The time we had and, and the team size we had, all, all those constraints, right? <laughs> like what we were able to do is, is build these really complex systems that track all those transactions and all the occupancy in six different cities across the state. We use science to like find statistically representative cities. We needed a representative sample in those six too. I mean, that's a key point, right? That's very true, yeah. So let's talk about the structure, the theoretical framework and the structure of the study a little bit. So, yeah. so on the property value side, let's think about the two KPIs of interest, right? So property value impact as a result of place-based investment and occupancy rate impact as a result of place-based investment. Our hypothesis were that occupancy rates were going to increase nearby because all that investment makes people want to be closer to downtown, right? They, it makes you, things are more walkable. Things are more, you know, you can access services better. Maybe it's a grocery store. Maybe it's a, whatever it is, it's a place-based investment that's designed to draw people to live and work closer to it. And so our, our hypothesis was that, yes, occupancy rates are going to go up near that stuff. That's hypothesis one, both commercial and residential. And our other two hypotheses were, well, if occupancy rates are increasing, and there's all these dollars that just dumped into a specific area, usually there's externalities and splashover effects on nearby property values because demand for those properties increases. So the occupancy rates increasing and the property value rates increasing, they work together in micro theory as well because if there's more people moving into a downtown area, you expect there to be more scarcity and access to housing, access to commercial space, all that kind of thing. And so 
the outcome, increased property values. So there's our underlying thesis, right, of the impact of place-based investment. And so now we need to build that data system that Ben started to talk about, and we need a, a scientific approach to, to arrive there. And our other big challenge was, okay, if we learn this, you know, let's, let's go see if our, our, let's test for it, build a data system that allows us to test this. And if that testing turns out to be positive, then what we can do is apply that outside of our six city apparatus that we actually have observational studies, scientific evidence of those data and apply them to alike places across the rest of the state. That would be called the benefits transfer. So there's a big process there. You got to say, okay, well, what places are like other places? And this is Dynamo's strategic cluster analysis for submarketing. So that was a big piece. So once we identified our six cities, then we say, okay, well, we got to submarket the entire state of Michigan at the census tract level and find out what places are like other places. And so there's a two-stage statistical process that Dynamo has defined that help identify those alike places. We ended up with three primary place types in Michigan for submarkets, housing and commercial, and it basically weak, middle and strong, right? We, we broke them into that. So in short, we build these systems at the local level. And so the idea here is a lot of this data about every property that is every transaction of, of every property, whether a property is commercial or residential, the actual use it's being used for, is it an office building? Is it a mixed use development? How many square feet is it? How old is it? All that information is actually available with local assessors, uh, the people who uh, identify the value of every property so they can be, property taxes can be levied against them. Um, but what we were able to do through our contacts with MEDC and the work we're already doing across the state was get that information from the assessors in those six cities. Uh, those six cities, by the way, are Detroit, Lansing, Grand Rapids, Marquette, Adrian, and Alpena. And we were able to contact them, get data on the attributes of every property, on the transactions on every property that covered roughly about 2010 through 2017. And then on top of that, we also got occupancy information. So we had a source where we were able to get US Postal Service vacancy uh, information for each building, but uh, not, not only each building, but for every unit that was in a commercial building. So we it could actually look at this data, for example, and see for a building that's in downtown Detroit every quarter for the last 10 years, is each unit in that building occupied or unoccupied at that moment? So largely those two things fall in the category of like sale prices and then occupancy in buildings. And then we also get map files that are the boundaries for every property. And so we're able to connect all of the transactions and all of the attributes of every property and all that occupancy information to the actual physical location of every property in a city. And we build that into our data infrastructure. Like Nigel said, that's the same thing that, that powers our neighborhood intel, but that's the same thing that provides an infrastructure that you're able to see how everything's changing on a property and in a neighborhood and in a city. And we were able to use that to put everything on a map. So you can see where the sale prices 
are going up or down. And then additionally, we took all the data that we received from MEDC on when each investment was made, how much money went into the investment from MEDC and how much went in from the private sector. And then we were able to put that same information on the map. An investment occurred here in this neighborhood at this property at this specific time. And then because we had all of this other information we put together on the transactions of properties nearby that intervention, and then also in places that received no MEDC investment or intervention, we were able to use our methods basically to do that work to identify what happened in places where intervention occurred and what had occurred in places where intervention had not occurred. So let's go key findings. Effectively, we identified that near those place-based investments, all commercial properties near that investment spot increased by a significant amount. It varies by how close you are to the actual investment, but commercial property values increase as you get closer to that investment more, as you get further away, all the way out to 2,000 feet is what we measured. It's still significant in impacting that commercial value. Same with residential. So residential property values near that investment positively impact same situation when they're closer, they're higher impact when they're further away, it's a lower impact. Another key finding is that it varied by submarket, especially with residential. With residential, if you're in a weak middle or a strong neighborhood, you got a varying impact. So that says space matters. Where you invest is strategic. Where you invest impacts things nearby differently, especially residential. Meaning if you're in a weaker market and you invest, the way that the residential properties near that placemaking investment have a larger impact than in the strong market. And in the middle market has the strongest effect. It's really, really powerful findings with respect to how place-based investments impact things differently in different places from a value standpoint. Key policy insight, key finding of the study, and all are statistically significant and we controlled for a lot. Then with occupancy rates, we saw the same thing, a more generalized difference in differences approach. But we said, okay, within a thousand feet of that investment, how do occupancy rates change? We saw both commercial and residential property values varying a little bit on the, on the total. It's like 2.9 and 3.1, something like that. Right around 3% increase in occupancy rates within a thousand feet of these investments. Key findings is that occupancy rates are positively impacted both commercial and residential, and property values are impacted, both commercial and residential. And they're different in different places. That's the key findings of the report. Would you add anything to that, Ben? I mean, I, I think that, that for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways here, right? Is that, you know, I think a lot of analysis gets done and sometimes it's just really generalized. Like, oh, there's a positive effect and then you're, you're done. Because we have all this information about every neighborhood and every property, we were actually able to see that the impacts were very, could be very, very different, uh, yeah. not only across those submarkets, but just in places by virtue of how concentrated properties are. Or level of investment was the other one, Ben. There's the really three, the right? That's so right. Level of investment do I put a dollar in or do I put $100 million in somewhere in between? That's obviously going to change the way it has a seismic effect on the area nearby. And then density, as you said, how many buildings are there within the micro zone where you invested? You're going to get more bang if you got more properties clustered on top of each other. It's a density thing. 
And then, as you said, and, and I'm, I'm reiterating again, what type of market are you in? That is the key. And that dives right into implications. That's our next question is like, how does that have implications for communities? And my piece here is if you have a community that's large enough to have a couple different commercial corridors in it, even just two, where do you put your bucks so that you maximize the effect? If your policy objectives are to impact people's home values and protect their values or increase them or, or increase the buzz of a commercial corridor in terms of the value of properties and occupancy rates, it's going to be different in different places. Yeah. So un- having an understanding of these things, it now exists. Yeah, I think that that's what's so exciting now is that when we started this, we don't know. We had a hypothesis and we didn't know whether there was going to be a result that showed an impact, right? And kudos to MEDC for being okay with that. Right, yeah. Go be scientists, do the, do the data nerdy stuff that you do and tell us whether there was an impact. And it was so exciting. One, feels great when there's been a positive impact, but two, we're confident now that with this information, with the same level of property data, you can know the impact of your past work that you've been able to do. But I think even more excitingly, we are able to look at those two corridors, for example, right? Or two different investments of the same amount of money and see how differently those two investments will impact the immediate and surrounding area. Right. Uh, As somebody who I love having data for my decisions, you know, everything from buying a car to a house or those sort of things. And just being able to know before you go and make these impactful decisions, how likely they are to change the environment around them. I think that's a really powerful tool for those people that are on the ground every day doing and making economic development deals. Absolutely. And and I mean, another one is the evaluation component. When you have a program that's going on for 12 years where the MEDC has invested over a billion dollars of public money. And yeah, they pulled in like four and change billion in private money, which that's a win on its own. That's over $5 billion into the communities. But then you add on top of that, that every single one of those dollars got like on average $1.20 in property value creation across the state. That's powerful stuff. I mean, you just validated 12 years of investment in our in our in our cities, in our villages, in our court, in our commercial quarters across the entire state, that's a big deal. And then, when you, if you want, you know, in in the classic piece here of how our research gets used, is take that to the budget box to make the argument. Say, hey, we evaluated and look how we did. Give us more resources to continue doing things that work. So that's a way this stuff is very very relevant going forward is that it's, it's program validation and you can maximize go for, going forward. Right. And so the next question we have is like, I, I think it, it's the companion software and what's, why is that relevant? And one of the pieces I'll hit first, Ben, is just the communication piece between the locals and the state for these types of programming, right? Like if you have both, for example, like the locals have neighborhood intel and the state has neighborhood intel and you can identify specific properties of interest seamlessly communicate so that you can get those deals done quickly and maximize the effect meeting objectives of the locals and of the state you're cooking with gas that's that's something that doesn't exist so that's a big piece of the companion software 
that's the thing, right? I mean, the short of it is you can know as a user, as somebody in the economic development space or that's making a decision about this work, you can know in minutes the likely value impact of an investment at a specific location anywhere in Michigan. We call the module, the software, Place Impact. It's something that a user can log into, put in an address for a project you've already done, or put in an address for a project that you're thinking about doing, or a couple different projects you're thinking about doing, and then see the likely value impact uh, in for project one versus project two. That's something that did not exist at all before. And we're just excited to just see this sort of decision-making capability be available for those people that are making these hugely impactful decisions, the, the things that change our lives, change our neighborhoods. Um, and like you said, I, I think additionally, being able to pull that report up, click on a map, pull the report up on the impact of the work that they're thinking about doing, it can help in a couple different ways. One, like you said, I, I think there's political buy-in. Why here? Why do you want to invest here? Why this project? Uh, what's it going to do? Um, and now with the software, uh, as an economic development professional, you're going you to be able to why. with those stakeholders and say, here's why. Here's the report. Here's the estimated impact that we're we're thinking is going to happen as a result of this. There's a really robust science behind this that's all available, of course. But the short answer is this is why. And I feel like being able to have that sort of information when you're talking with stakeholders in the community and the and in the development space, those can be super valuable tools. That's right. And so how can other communities look into measures place-based impacts? use these findings. And the short of it is we can build these out at the property level across the entire state of Michigan with a high level of confidence of being correct right now. That's right. right. That's We have that bandwidth and capacity at Dynamo to do that and bring that into communities across the state. Because this study has been performed and what we've learned, we're now positioned at Dynamo to deliver this at the property level across the entire state. Right. So any community in the state of Michigan can have this or the state of Michigan can have this aggregated up to as many communities as, as they would like within the system. That's right. It requires I mean, this is version I'd, I'd call it 0.50. We're early in the infrastructure build of this software, but the technology is there, meaning the back end data systems and the software is in place that leverages those systems on the front end. So we're, we're poised to deliver that across the state of Michigan. And we're poised to deliver that to other states as well. Now that we have the, the modeling framework in place, we're ready. After this happens once, you know, research efficiencies occur. We are a data systems company. We're ready to take this on in other places. I'll just say this data is available everywhere. So that it, I talked about there being assessing data on the, on the attributes of properties, on the transactions that occur on properties. Every local or county government uh, has access and has this information across the entire country. And we've worked over a number of years to take what used to take a year to put together uh, in terms of getting data that's ready for this type of analysis to being able to put it, at least from the technical standpoint, together in as few as a few weeks. 
So we're just excited that this capability now exists and that it's something that we can offer to communities in Michigan, but also outside of Michigan. Every community has the pieces that they need, data and otherwise, to be able to benefit from this sort of information through the software and through reports. It is now possible to leverage the placemaking effect. The fact that we have quantitative data that justifies and validates these types of investments, you're cooking with gas in terms of making arguments to get dedicated budget towards those types of programming. And states and cities are already doing that. We have remote workers and footloose talent running all over the place, especially as a result of COVID. And where are they landing? They're landing in the coolest places they can find because they can be anywhere as long as there's an internet connection. So if you can make the argument that your local tax base is going to be positively affected by these types of investments, as well as it's going to create a draw for those those footloose, remote working, talented folks, I think we're going to see economic development agencies at the state and major, major metro levels lean into these types of investments over time, especially as the evidence builds that they work. I 100% agree with you. The other thing I'll say is just what it means for future place-based investments. Back again to uh, these investments have different impacts in different places uh, that they're made. And so now we have the ability to make sure that investments go to places where there's going to be the most positive impact. That means that we can most efficiently spend our dollars and most positively impact our communities based on this type of information. So I'm just really excited to be able to be part of that decision-making process. I'm so thankful that Michigan stuck its neck out and like invested in this for so much time. Like want to basically like shout out to like the political will of the state for doing this for so long in a sustained way and putting money there. The early, the early heads that were orbiting you and I in this space are, Dr. Ed Elijah at MSU, Gary Heidel is the executive director now of, of Mischa. He was very present on the front end of this. Another major was Mark Wyckoff at the Land Policy Institute. He drove it from the planning and zoning angle. I mean, driven out of MSU very heavily on the front end, embraced by the governors over three administrations. It's a really cool thing to see that we did it. You know, it worked. And to play the role we play, which is this objective science role that actually says, okay, let's test whether it actually worked. Just feels like a really neat part of our career to to be engaged in something that's lasted for most of it and, and see it having a positive effect on our home. Definitely a highlight of the work I've been able to do in this space and just super personally validating. And just to close this, for me, the close is just, I, I uh, it's been fun to participate in a conversation like this and to come out from behind the computer where I usually am pushing numbers <laughs> and putting data together and yeah. making sure a platform is available for our decision makers. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for what you do, Ben. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Ahead of the Curve. To learn more about Dynamometric Study for the Michigan Economic Development Corporation and our new software product, Neighborhood Intel, Place Impact, head to dynamometrics.com forward slash place hyphen impact.